0: It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: tansi, and welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and you are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And I would like to ask you out there, are you familiar with the term or name, orange shirt day? Well, my guests today are here to share a few things about what it is, why it's important, and more importantly, when it is. And so, I would like to welcome... No, I didn't speak to you about your last name, but it is... uh, Danani. Danani, thank you. So, Zara Danani is co-owner of Old School General Store, great name, and campaign organizer for Orange Shirt Day in this area.
2: Yeah, to be very clear... Orange Shirt Day was founded in British Columbia.
1: Absolutely. I was going to get to that,
0: but thank you. Yeah.
2: And we're not the campaign organizers. We are just people in Toronto who really wanted to see Orange Shirt Day uh, and the campaign um, commemorated in a bigger way here. Yes. So we're just supporters.
1: Okay. So thank you for clarifying that. I guess to some degree you could say that that you're organizing it around this area to some degree.
2: We do but- we do have a campaign to make sure first uh, our area of Toronto East End Toronto mm. but then all of Toronto starts really talking about Orange Shirt Day in a big way. Mm. That's that's a goal we have for sure.
1: Right. So uh, the other person with us in the studio is Nancy Cooper, and she is an East York mum who is helping out with the campaign. And Nancy is also a member of the RAMA First Nation. I am. And uh, she is also a consultant to Southern Ontario Library Systems for Ontario First Nations communities.
3: Yes, I work with 18 First Nations public libraries in Southern Ontario as a consultant. So I help them find more resources get um, provincial funding where there is provincial funding, that kind of thing, collections development, reader's advisory, um, anything that I can do to help the libraries continue being the important community hubs that they are.
0: Mm.
1: And as you, you heard uh, in the opening there, Zara mentioned that uh, the, the history and where the Orange Shirt Day started was actually in British Columbia, and you can actually find out more by going to orangeshirtday.org to find out about more of the history, and you'll see some videos there. In fact, there's one video uh, talking about how it began in 2013 as a result of a residential school survivor, Phyllis jack Webstad, who addresses and tells her story about how she was given a brand new orange shirt the first day she was going to school, which happened to be a residential school, and she didn't have that shirt on long before it was taken away from her, and she never saw it again. It's a beautiful story. I recommend everyone go to orangeshirtday.org to see that story and get the understanding of how this came about and how every child matters. And um, so that brings us a little bit up to date with with what's going on. And uh, so Orange Shirt Day, which is uh, September 30th this year, and it's there to to commemorate and to celebrate every child and to remember uh, survivors and children of residential school not only these survivors but the children that didn't make it as well is that what you guys would would agree with
2: totally i, I can't uh stress enough how important it is for settlers especially in canada um, to get informed and educated on indigenous realities rights uh treaties truths um, Given that they're settled in Indigenous land,
1: mm. um, you know, there's if you go online and you and you just type in Orange Shirt Day or Every Child Matters, there's a lot of information that comes up, and there's a lot of uh, great stories. One of the things that that I noticed on one site um, that I like how it said that it isn't just um, Indigenous students, although they were the the the, the people that, that were in the front line of this. But since we are now aware of what happened, it's every Canadian story, and everyone has been affected by this, because people need to be, as you mentioned, settlers need to be aware of what happened. Mm-hmm. And it is now part of the legacy of this country that we all need to look at and and try to resolve.
2: It It's absolutely devastating to think that... Um there are Canadian children who are being raised without any understanding of Indigenous culture, Indigenous history, you know, the amazing civilizations that existed here before colonization, the languages, the treaties, the the governments, um, all of the richness of what indi- indigeneity is has been prior to colonization, but then also the resilience that I know Nancy speaks a lot about. Um, it's it's incumbent that we know the people that were first here and the traditions that were first here. So for me, that's why it was so important to make sure. And, and the Orange Shirt Day is a very... Um, Easy way to say to schools across the country, here's how you can start incorporating Indigenous history into your curriculum, which should be happening in a really big way, but if it's not, which we found in East End Toronto schools, there were some who were talking about it, and then there were some who had no clue what Orange Shirt Day was. They didn't have any. There's still not enough education around um, Indigenous realities, let alone residential schools. So that's why Orange Shirt Day is also very important, is this information needs to keep coming out. Mm. And
3: one of the really great things that has been happening in our little pocket of East York in Toronto is is, uh, having old school as a hub for activism and getting the word out about... Orange shirt, Um, my children's chichia, their grandmother, was taken when she was three. It's hard for parents today to fathom that, and I think it's really, really important for, well, everywhere, but our little pocket of people, as we get to know each other as neighbors and friends, to be aware of those lived realities. And, and the implications of the aftermath and after effects of those types of realities.
1: Mm-hmm. So tell me, how did you guys uh, first hear about this yourselves?
2: So I, uh, I'm 46, and... Uh, from the get-go, from being a teenager, I, I started educating myself on Indigenous um, realities and truths because it's always been important to me. So I try and, you know, I, I, I think it's important to read the recommendations from the Truth and Reconciliation Report, from the uh, report from the Commission on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. Like, it's my responsibility to s- to stay aware and informed. So, um, I think through that education process, I I heard about orange shirt day and then, and then I, I, I didn't see it anywhere in Toronto and I didn't see anybody kind of commemorating it. So that's, that's how I got involved. It wasn't that long ago where I first
3: learned about it. Um, and after inquiring at my kids' school, saw that there was maybe one or two teachers who were talking about it, um, but I think that they've really come um, on board and are very much involved with the with the process now, and uh, I'm really, really happy about that. I know I make sure um, our whole family wears something orange that day and that kind of thing, uh, and we talk about it, and we, you know, I post about it on Twitter and Facebook and that kind of thing.
1: Now, uh, the support that happens, and the the orange shirt days themselves, There's, if you go online, you'll see there's numerous ones for sale. Uh, Different parts of the country have different things going on. Uh, The one that is available around here that I noticed online is is quite an interesting-looking shirt. Uh, I guess you guys have seen it. Do you have them? Mm. Do you know which one I'm referring to?
2: Well, uh, there's several. There's the one that comes directly from... Uh, the orange shirt day mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one that comes out of old school, mm-hmm. and then there's different uh sc- schools that are creating their own designs. Mm. So I'm not quite sure which one you're talking about. I got
3: mine from um, a friend who works at the University of Victoria. I just got it in the mail.
2: Oh, and oh yes, yeah, that's the old school one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. So we had a local artist from um, her name is Kind Hearted Woman, mm-hmm. and she's a Jibwe from the Dokis Nation, and um, we she's also a good friend of mine. And we talked about what really we want to symbolize for Shirt Day this this year, and um, that is a symbol of. The 1764 treaty mm. um, that was drawn into uh, the the wampum belt of that time, uh, and what people don't understand in Canada, for example, is that wampum belts were s- the original founding legal documents of this country. And there's feathers from the coming from the wampum belt, and there's blood mm. because. Those treaties have not been respected. Those promises have been um, broken, and residential schools is one of the most heinous examples of how those original founding legal documents of this country were um, so so uh, disrespected. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, zara is um, i 'd like to mention a few things other about you. You are extremely well informed on these things it 's great to hear um, now you you have other you run this store you started the store uh, What? how long ago
2: So my partner mariko and i yeah. she 's also my life partner, yeah. and we started this store about five years ago. I, we, neither of us were business owners, but we saw it as an opportunity mm. to create a community hub. Mm-hmm um i come from a long history of activism and uh um we we wanted to make sure that it was founded on social justice principles and we do lots of events mm-hmm. uh on social justice issues community issues w- relationship building and so yeah we call it the the local mom and mom shop
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's great old Old Cool General Store. You can look it up online if you want to find out more. And, th- and I think you have a link there to this as well, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's old apostrophe yes. S Yes. cool. So old's cool. Yes. Old is cool. Yes. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> She's
1: looking at me like she needs to explain it. Like <laughs> old <laughs> is
2: cool. Old's <laughs>
1: Now listen, but you know, these are not the only things and talents you have. Uh, you you are or have been a lawyer.
2: Yes, where where have you been snooping? Hey, <laughs> when I'm behind the cash <laughs> register, <laughs> no. and, and a DJ. Yes, yes, right. one
3: of the lesbian community's most famous djs go. and most sought after
1: thank you, you very go. much
2: <laughs> you all are making me blush uh yeah i've had a f- few different lifetimes that's great like a cat nine yeah, lives yeah,
1: good 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 for you thank you um so it's great to hear you uh you know being informed on this but you know you went back and you said it's important for you and, and settlers to know this and why don't they know it uh, but you yourself i believe came from Tanzania,
2: absolutely. I this is where I keep talking about responsibility because you know I was born in East Africa, came to Canada forty three years ago, and I see it as my responsibility as a good Canadian to uh, understand and um, support and uh, work towards reconciliation. And that is one of the most important things I think we as settlers in Canada can do. So it's my responsibility to to work um, towards a country that, for example, respects Indigenous voices, um, Indigenous forms of self determination and self governance. We we need to do the work to make sure we get back. To a place that is enshrined in those original founding documents, the wampum belts that said, "We will live in coexistence um, as peoples on this land with respect and and without interference." Those are the words mm-hmm. of those documents. Without interference, mm-hmm. residential schools are the worst form of colonization and genocide that exist in our world and yet in canada nobody's talking about it still even after the truth and reconciliation commission so sorry i as a settler it's my responsibility to do this work
1: thank you for sharing that um that's the voice of zara danani and she is the uh a co-owner of old cool general store in toronto Now, uh, and, and Nancy is here with her, Nancy Cooper, and, um, she's, uh, from the Rama First Nation, but she's also a consultant to the South Ontario Library System on First Nations Communities, and they're here to talk about Orange Shirt Day, and what do you guys hope, and what do you, what do you think, because, you know, it's one thing to wear a shirt or something orange on, on September 30th for Orange Shirt Day, but, uh, and it's a raising awareness, but... What what about people that want to support? And sure, they go out, they buy a shirt or whatever. But but what do you what would you recommend, or how can they get involved other than that? Where do they go to learn more? Maybe even on that day, there must be events and things that are happening.
3: I think that there are quite a few events. Uh, if you do go to the old school um, Facebook page, you'll find a, a list of resources that uh, we've compiled for people who want more information. Uh, not only about residential schools, but just about Indigenous realities in general.
2: And and that's what I want to say. Like Nancy's an amazing person to be sitting here because she is a wealth of resources. For example, as part of our preparation for um, Orange Shirt Day, she came and talked to the community. And she brought a, a list of I don't know, 300 b- books out there that And this is a short compilation uh, of books that are very, very, very helpful and informative. One of the teachers who's at that meeting walked away from from that conversation, went into her classrooms, has now done several teachings from those books on um, seven grandfather teachings, you know what happened in residential schools, they do exercises on the re- regular and so part of um, the, the the orange shirt day push is definitely not just about the orange shirt the mm-hmm. orange shirt is the symbol and the visual that we want to be out yes. there but it represents the education piece mm-hmm. and that's the most important piece and i and i think that there's schools now Definitely we know of schools across the East end that are talking about orange shirt day. Um, you can, you can access resources like the, um, indigenous education center out of the TDSB. You can access, for example, Nancy's, um, uh, resources, uh, as the, as the consultant, the first nations consultant to Southern Ontario libraries. Um, please use Orange Shirt Day first and foremost as an opportunity to learn and to share the information. And yeah, tons of events. People are doing all kinds of things. We're having Elder uh, Blue Winter come, and she's going to do a teaching and a very small uh, ceremony, and we're going to take a big picture of everyone in orange shirts and send it off to Phyllis, the founder. And, And I think we should really mention that um, there's events across the country mm-hmm. now. It's growing.
1: Yes, and thank you. I was going to mention that as well. Yeah. So, so, And you're absolutely correct. But for people, as we said, it is across the country. There are events going on. If you go to Orange Shirt Day online, you can find out more by going there and clicking on that. And uh, just to name a few, for instance, in Ontario, Grand Bend has one. There's one in Waterloo. There's one here in Toronto, as mentioned. Uh, Fairlawn Avenue, United Church at 28 uh, Fairlawn Avenue. It's going to have something on the 29th, actually. And uh, then there is other things, as I mentioned. Waterloo, Ottawa. Ottawa has something going on, 24 Clarence Street. And that is September 30th. And it starts at uh, around noon. And uh, you can find out more as you go and click on Ontario, and you'll get a list of all these things. So uh, it's great to see all these events happening and in and around not only Ontario, but, of course, in uh, across the country as well. Um, so is this the first year you guys have sort of taken it on to do something with this? Or were you do something pre- previously as well?
2: Uh, no, we've been uh, slowly uh, ramping up for the last four years, the campaign. And, um, and it, this year, though, we had an amazing committee of uh, local... Um, incredible people who were teachers, librarians, um, moms who are teachers and librarians, uh, lots of different community members in the East End who who got on board and and really have spread the word around. Are are like I said, like we said, Nancy helped with the the resource list, and um and we we don't see this as um an end you know this is just the beginning of of spreading the word and and we hope it grows we really really hope orange shirt day becomes commemorated nationally uh in a really big way
1: you also mentioned education that the the orange shirt is just the symbol for this to raise the awareness but people need to be educated you also talked about how how some uh, school teachers have taken that initiative from some of the books that Nancy presented and talked about, and uh, are are working with that material to start educating their students. It really needs to be in- integrated into the school system, as it hasn't been for uh, you know forever. Uh, people not learning about uh,
2: what we see we have seen with any important um, cause. I think is that it takes champions. Mm. So. For every school that is talking about it, there's a, a, a champion inside that school. So, um, you know, we have teachers that we know of that are doing amazing jobs in their schools of making sure Orange Shirt Day is commemorated. And we, we hope more champions rise to the surface because it's it's really quite easy to do. You go, even if you just go to org. there's curriculum mm. for all the different age ranges right there. There's uh, exercises and examples of all the different things you can do. Yeah, just click and you, you know, you translate. I mean, of course you have to come to it with that level of respect of and sensitivity, yep. Yep. but any teacher across Canada has that has access to a computer, that's one thing, can go on to the orangeshirtday.org website, for example, and just do what they said tell you to do and use their resources. Mm. There's free videos, there's books you can get out of libraries, there's all kinds of things that there's no reason mm. why people should not be commemorating Orange Shirt Day.
1: Uh, i'd like to add one more thing, and that is that anyone that is going to access those materials let 's not forget we're not talking about a- a- indigenous people that are no longer here this isn't about, this isn't about pa- it's about past history, but remember indigenous people are living here now, and it, what you should do besides accessing the material is access those indigenous people within your community to find out uh, if you can get more expert information it's a great way to open the door to learn. But to bring these people in, to get them involved so that they can give you first-hand knowledge, experience, and information uh, to deal. Because, let's face it, and maybe a lot of people don't know this either, uh, there is not just one Indigenous nation. <laughs> there <are> What? <laughs> not, not just and one and Indigenous w- voice? <laughs> what? <laughs> there are many languages, there are many nations across Canada, and, and depending on where you are. Uh, you will be dealing with a different nation in that area. So you need to find those things out as well. Nancy, you have anything to add? Um, Well, I was just going to put a plug
3: in for um, goodminds.com. It's a a one-stop amazing resource for books based on... Jeff Thomas, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeff Burnham. Burnham, thank you. uh, Is the owner, and um, if you want... Great Indigenous books, you just go to goodminds.com. One of the really great partnerships that I have with uh, Jeff is our partnership with First Nation Communities Read, and it's um, a National Book Award for Indigenous Literature, and he carries all of our nominated titles. This year, our selected titles are Dr. Cindy Baskin's Spirit Bear, which is about residential schools Mm. and um, reconciliation. And our other selected title is Tilly and the Crazy Eights by Monique Graysmith. smith And it touches on some residential school um, issues as well. So both of those books are available through goodminds.com. So, you know, often I'll hear teachers say, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to start. Goodminds.com. Just mm. go there.
1: Yep. It's, it's a good one here. Absolutely correct. And thanks for correcting me. Jeff Burnham is right. I know so many Jeffs from Six Nations. Um, anyway... Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention about that, when you said a spirit bear, uh, just want to be be clear because a spirit bear is that the Cindy Blackstock spirit bear as well we're talking about. Okay, um, great, uh, great, uh, great book there for to mention. Thanks for mentioning that. Um, is there anything else you guys want to touch on that we haven't mentioned? So far?
2: Yes, I would absolutely be remiss um, to not speak of Anishinaabe health, hmm. Toronto, and Anishinaabe Health Foundation. Um so part of uh, what we're doing in terms of we're we're selling orange shirts and we have been um is we will be giving funds from the shirts to uh Anishinaabe Health and they serve I think something like 27,000 um different indigenous well that's indigenous visits so they 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 do a lot of work. Mhm. And, um, you know, they work from a cultural competence paradigm where they do bring in traditions from different uh, Indigenous communities and use all sorts of different healing practices that support um, Indigenous folks in Toronto. And and a lot of people they support are residential school survivors. Um, And they are... Working towards creating um, a, a really solid local hub in the West uh, Portland's West um, kind of down near the water area, and uh, they've been do- the land has been donated, and they're working on a gorgeous, gorgeous site that will be multi-purpose, multi-service, and um, holistic in a lot of its services. So. It's going to be amazing. They're almost there. And Anishinaabe Health is a really is one example of the many uh, actual uh, in, Indigenous organizations that exist in the city. Yeah. There are amazing resources out there. I think that's the one thing I wanted to say about what you were saying, is that there's no one Indigenous voice. There's no one Indigenous practice. And it's our responsibility to go out there and look, because there's so much, there's so much at our fingertips um, to learn about. Uh, Indigenous people have put out so many, so many different amazing resources, like the Native Women's Resource Center. Um, you know, I, I could I could go on, so I just think it's important. Like, go find out about Anishinaabe Health Foundation. Uh, Anishnabe health Toronto they they do amazing amazing work.
1: And am I correct in that uh sales of the orange shirt go to support Anishnabe?
2: Yes, yes. So uh proceeds from from our t-shirt last year that's who we gave to and then after talking to them about their campaign to build this one local multi-purpose site, uh we thought okay, well we'll just put all of our efforts towards that. Um, in terms of the orange
1: shirt day sales mm, nice um from so from old school yes understood yeah understood so you're listening to moment of truth i'm your host david moses and you're listening to element fm in toronto and ottawa zara denani is uh are one of our guests and she's from old school general store uh, one of the uh, co-owners and also nancy cooper and she is an East York mom, and also a member of the RAMA First Nation and consultant to South Ontario Library System on First Nations Communities. We've been talking about Orange Shirt Day, September 30th, and there are many events and many things uh, going on right across the country. Just to mention a few, uh, many in Toronto, and as well, Barrie, Windsor. I saw something for Grand Bend, Ottawa also. uh, You can find out more by going to Orange Shirt Day, and logging in and uh, look, scroll down, and you'll see events. And if you go to events, you can click on uh, different province, and if you click on the different province, you'll find out uh, where those things are happening and the day and who to contact if you're interested in going. If you want to support and uh, uh, buy yourself a, a T-shirt for Orange Shirt Day to support, uh, the, the one that we were talking about earlier that is involved uh, with the old... old Old school. School. (laughs) It's a a tongue twister to say. Um, The the old, cool, general store. So, you
2: know the terminology old school? Yeah. Yeah, it comes from this spelling.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) You knew that? Because rappers in Brooklyn used to sample beats from jazz and they would say old is cool, old is cool, old is cool, old school, old school. And then they would say it so fast it turned into old school. So then they started using it towards music, old school music. And then it just has now become used across...
1: Thank you for explaining that again, and 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 I
2: know it's probably going to be cut out, but I have a particular no, no, attachment. A, of course
1: you do. But listen, people might need to know that to get the spelling correct, so they can go to your website anyway. But anyway, listen, I want to say that the that the the t-shirt you got to just see the t-shirt. It's a very cool looking shirt. It's very old school. <laughs> <laughs> and no it really is because in fact that that wampum belt that is used for this really looks like a a blanket of sort or a shawl mm. that is embracing and wrapping around the person that's what it looks like to me when i see that
2: oh i like that i never thought of that uh, so i
1: recommend anybody go to check that out and uh, wherever you might be um to support and and by all means don't forget about how this started 2013 you got to remember that and go to uh, when you go to Orange Shirt Day and uh, get Phyllis Jack Webstad her story uh, because that's where this all started. You've got to hear that story. You'll see the video online along with other stories from the same residential school, St. Joseph's Residential School. Uh, guys, we're running out of time. I'm just wondering if you want have any last words you'd like to mention.
3: I just want to say miigwech for having us today. I think it's really important um, that we get the word out about what's happening in our small communities in this huge city. Mm.
2: I don't think I've said it, but I think as settlers, it's our responsibility <laughs> no, to educate ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for reiterating that. No, thank you also for having us and and spreading the good word.
1: It's been our pleasure to have you here on the show. You've been listening to the voices of Zara Danani. Am I saying that correctly?
2: Perfect.
1: And also uh, Nancy Cooper. They were my guests here on Moment of Truth. I want to thank them for coming in and sharing about Orange Shirt Day, September 30th, 2019.
2: Amazing. Thank you for your program. Such an
1: important service. Thank you. Miigwech and Monishi. And we're going to be right back after a break, so don't go away on Element FM and Moment of Truth. And welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. I would like to welcome our next guest to the program. And I have two of the members of what is known as the Afro Métis uh, Project. And they are George Eliot Clark and Shelley Hamilton. Now, first of all, let me tell you something about them. I'll try and give you a brief uh, synopsis of the project and about the people. So George Eliot Clark, Shelley Hamilton, Plums Croxon, great name, by the way. We'll talk more <laughs> about that in a minute. Russ right. Kelly and Chris White are delving into their black, native, and Nova Scotian roots to create songs and poems that address and celebrate this largely unacknowledged aspect of Canadian history and culture. They have performed and recorded this material in Halifax and Toronto, and they released an album entitled The Afro-Métis Constitution in the fall of 2018. They are also creating a touring show to present at festivals and concert halls across Canada and beyond. Now, that's sort of what's going on with the project. Let me tell you a little bit about a couple of the people that are sitting here with me, because they are much more than just just (laughs) the people involved with this project. So, to start with George... He is the fourth Poet Laureate of Toronto from 2012 to 2015 and the seventh Parliamentary Poet Laureate of 2016 and 17. He is respected and revered a poet, now teaching Afro, Afro uh, ra- rather African Canadian literature at the University of Toronto. And he has taught at Duke, McGill, University of British Columbia, and Harvard. And he holds eight honorary doctorates, plus accomplishments in... Of the Order of Nova Scotia and the Order of Canada. So, as I said, these people are more than just musicians playing here and t- uh, talking about their histories. He uh, uh, is. He was. He was. Let me get this right. His recognitions. His recognitions include the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Fellows Prize, the Governor General's Award for Poetry, and the Premier. Premier. How do we Premier say that? Poises in from Romania. Yes. Wow. And the Dartmouth Book Award for Fiction in, and the Eric Hoffer Book Award of Poetry in the U.S. and the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Achievement Award. Congratulations, George, <laughs> to all of that. <laughs> Thank you, David. And, of course, uh, George is a, is a guest that has been on the show before. We had him on the show talking about Martin Luther King Day. So a great welcome back to have, have you here, George. Thank you, David. Let me tell you a little bit about Shelley Hamilton. She's an award-winning, critically acclaimed singer, actor, host, writer, and multi-talented artist in the entertainment ig- industry. A regular performer in the Toronto area, and she's also performed in Dubai, Japan, Germany, Holland, the Caribbean, as well as across Canada and the U.S. She was a founding member member of the African-Canadian a cappella trio, The Delightful Divas. Her magnificent vocals, which have been described as, as Nouveau Soul, have been heard at the Toronto Jazz Festival and in several classic albums live concerts. Shelley is also the featured vocalist in 2003 Juno Award-winning album Allegro by Robert Mitchells. And she wrote and toured a one-woman play, A New Hope, about the first black communities in Canada, and is a writer of the African Nova Scotia Music Association's Artist of the Year Award for her writing and CD, Connected. Welcome, Shelley. Welcome.
4: Wow, that was exhausting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tell me about it. I was I was really I mean, like when you
4: got to the end and like like it won the award for African Nova
1: Scotia, I'm like, Okay, I'm done, I'm <laughs> done, you know. Yeah.
4: And George, I'm exhausted by yeah, your know, accolades. Just, I'm just
1: I, I exhausted. I'm in the same way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, enough, so is enough. It, it is, you know, and, and guys, I'm sorry to tell you this, but with all that, well, those acknowledgements, our time is up. I'm sorry. The <laughs> <is over. laughs> that always happens. Yeah, it's, that's exactly right. <laughs> well, listen, it's great to have you both on the show. and Congratulations on the new project and the album. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You. Thank yeah. you
4: for having us here so we can talk about the work. We're so, so honored to be here and so,
1: so honored about the work that we have done.
0: It's a great, great, great pleasure to be here.
1: And you know, um, in many ways, it's very timely. Yeah. Uh, the the Afro-Indigenous cultures and, and uh, news stories that are out there today, plus, of course, we're in the throes of election, which is always exciting, as we know, about with some of the more recent things that have been happening. Um, so why don't you take us back to, to tell us how this all got started, first of all.
0: Well, it really all got started with Shelly and I uh, doing a performance here in Toronto with Ron Davis's jazz group in january twenty sixteen and my daughter, who was then uh age seventeen uh uh saw us perform and said exuberantly exclaimed, "You should make an album <laughs> and and so you know I decided being in my fifties that uh you know. Uh, she had a point. That it was time to really think about making an album. So got, I called up Shelley, and we're cousins. And uh, my and uh, Sugar Plum Croxton is also my cousin. So <laughs> I contacted him, and then Chris White's also a cousin. Contacted him, and the founder of the of the uh, Ottawa Folk Festival, and and uh, and then Russ Kelly and I have been acquaintances for years when he was head of music for Canada Council, mm. and we got together. It was uh, summer twenty sixteen. But I'd like to interject before we got together, it ended up that George wanted
4: to do this album. And I, of course, got on board. George and I have conversations over the years that we go, I'm just going to talk for 30 minutes. And then two (laughs) hours later, you know, to get so passionate about ideas and things related to what we want to do artistically. So he had called me about this saying, you know, that his daughter had mentioned us getting together, doing music and what have you. But we hadn't really discussed like what. It was that we wanted to do. We just knew that we wanted to do something. He had done poetry. I was riffing on it, doing scatting and just improving over his music. And we talked about like what would be something that would, you know, connect us. And then we both realized that we both have Metis roots. Mm-hmm. Both of us have acknowledged it. We actually know our family histories. And George was like, I have a Metis identification card. And I went, So do why? Do you actually <laughs> know where your band is? And he goes, Yes, I know where my band is. I said Who else do we know actually knows their history and their roots related to this? He said, well, I'm going to find out. So then George started calling. And it was just amazing as we started to do this work, especially when we started from talking in Toronto to actually doing research in Nova Scotia, all on our own dime, I had gone down to do research. I was sitting there at one point, I'd left a library and I was very frustrated because I knew this history. I have documented my own history, but I could not find it in the public archives and any history books. There's no real documentation of it. I tried to find two documentary people that knew the history at the archives. They couldn't find anything except one piece of paper that showed a marriage uh, through, um, uh, oh, it was through some sort of documentation, I'll remember. Oh, it was a census. Hmm. It was a census. They were able to find a marriage that was legitimate. And then afterwards, when I left the public archives, I said, you're looking for a needle in a haystack. <laughs> they said, because we know of this history, but we don't have a lot of documentation on it. And then it was meeting women down on the waterfront that same day when I was walking down leaving the public archives. I was telling them what I was doing because they recognized me and saw that I was here from from Toronto. And I told him I was trying to research this Aboriginal, our Métis roots, trying to do this project. And she said, oh, it's about time people are doing it. I got <laughs> roots down in Digby Way. And then the other lady was telling me about her grandmother and what she knew about it. And then the, the thing that both of them said was, oh, we all know about our roots. You just don't see a lot of people talking about it. We all know about it, but it, it ain't in the books. Exactly. So it's just this passive acknowledgement of, oh, yeah, we all know about it, but it's just not taught. And no one ever tells you about it unless you ask us. Mm. So I thought we've got to do a little bit more than that if there's so many of us that understand the richness of our history and I've done so more so much work related to Canada in history from a Nova Scotian perspective as an artist for years and I've always done it from the premise of The more Canadians as a whole understand and acknowledge the richness of our history, we can see our similarities versus our differences. That is what I want people to see. I do not want this project. And all of us, when we went into the project, it was a project for us to acknowledge, celebrate, and unify us more as Canadians and acknowledge the travesty of this not being recognized, but doing it in joy doing it with music, doing it by telling the stories, doing it by informing people. Having someone as brilliant as George <laughs> uh, on board has oh, been sorry. absolutely wonderful because not only is he an incredible historian of this history, he also can speak and represent it with such light and such authenticity that is honest and true. There's no animosity about it. There's It's everything about like, hey... If you're uncomfortable with the fact that we're acknowledging our history, you should be uncomfortable. Because I was uncomfortable that you didn't know about it. Mm, So let's get a little more comfortable about what we don't know. If you don't like the terms, if you don't like us acknowledging it, let's talk about that. That's what makes it so brilliant at this time. You're absolutely right, David. It is so timely to be doing this work.
1: So I just want to be able to jump in and say uh, that... I think you've answered all my questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but it also answered a question, though, about how, you know, it was all sort of East Coast sort of well, centric. And now I understand because of the relationships there
0: to, I, to I a just, great degree. I just want to elaborate on this whole thing about authenticity. Because, you see, when we got together in the summer, and in fact, it was at Shelley's place uh, here in Toronto. Uh, we got together. Chris came down from Ottawa. And and Plums wasn't with us at that point, but we'd been communicating back and forth over email and phone calls and so on. But the rest of us got together at Shelley's uh, summer of of 2016 and we were talking about what kind of album we would do. And that's when we all realized that all of us have connections to uh, indigeneity, that we are all Métis. And and Plums has really been living that identity uh, fully for the last three decades. I'm crying out loud. And I think for the rest of us, it was sort of like, you know, it's always been there in our family history. Um Some of us got our our, our band cards and 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 so on, Uh but no, not really in the Black community, nor in Indigenous communities, not even in Métis communities have people really want to talk about these connections. Mm. And, you know, I'm proud to be Black, but I'm also proud to be Métis, and I'm really and I think that we see this project as being a way to, to recognize the wholeness of who we are. Not half this or half that or quarter this or quarter that or third this or third that. But we're 100% human, 100% people. And, but our 100% also involves indigeneity and that we want to recognize that. And the other important thing about this project, I, I got to say this, is that when I, when we were thinking about it and I was thinking about it and thinking about plums and thinking about... I mean, Chris is is big in folk music. Plums can play... And sing practically everything. Uh, Shelley, of course, has a, has a uh, huge background in R and B and soul, but also country. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and then I, as a poet, I've worked a lot with different musicians. And I know from my knowledge of my family, uh, an extended family, that that so many. I'm not going to include myself here, but Shelley and Chris and Plums and and Russ is not a relative, but. <laughs> uh a great uh uh writer of pop songs performer of, of pop style tunes and so on i just knew that the talent was there uh, i i just knew that we that i'm not gonna tell it myself they were all like volcanoes of talent not, not just over brimming with with talent brimming over with talent but like just projecting talent oozing talent exploding talent all over the place and, and, uh, and in every kind of musical format uh, that we could ever care about, gospel, country, folk, uh, soul, R&B, uh, it's all there. So now you've got the group together.
1: You've got these extreme, extremely talented people with all of this range of talent in many different areas. How did you guys start to pull the material together? How did you start to decide on how to, how to formulate this? It was
4: very raw Um, because we were doing it long distance and we all knew that each of us had our own stories of what we wanted to tell. And we knew in some strange way, even though everybody's stories would be different, they'd all become this cohesive uh, project together. It really was, we had uh, workshopped it by coming together, talking about our experiences, talking about our families, talking about like, how we are influenced, talking about the political aspect of it, just looking at all these different things and what we wanted to address personally and what we wanted to feel that the album was going to do overall. Because it really was us basically giving a, a testimony and a voice to how we feel about being Indigenous and having those roots as part of our identity and how we want to basically celebrate it and let people know about that history. That, those were our two main goals for me anyway. It was not never to make any huge political statement nor to cause any anger or people to feel that we are having any sort of airs about what we're doing. We have been more gracious than I can even imagine about how we've tried to do this work and have so much integrity with it. So it was really important to make sure even that the stories and what we were trying to talk about was sincere and related to our stories, to let people know our stories. So when we came back and workshopped it again, uh, about four or five months later, we came back and looked at what we had written and presented it to one another. And literally we literally went, I think there, it actually makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> All of this kind of makes sense. I mean, Plum's telling these stories here, which are so important, and then... Russ is telling these stories about him just feeling so honored to be able to have a voice for our ancestors. Then Chris telling these beautiful stories that he's gotten from his family about things and how he wanted to incorporate those in songs. There there are all these beautiful elements that we we can see what came out of us wanting to express ourselves. And then when that happened, then the final arrangements were literally done. First, and we did our main part of recording when it was done in Halifax – A lot of that was literally done on the ground running, us interpreting the arrangements, the instrumentation. A lot of that was just very organic. Um, One of the pieces, for example, uh, Skin, Mm. there was initially instrumentation, and then I felt like there shouldn't be any instrumentation. It needs to be the bodies singing. Mm. It needs to be the people giving the instrument, giving the voice, letting them feel their skin, letting them feel their identity. So the more raw that was, the more I wanted people to feel what it felt like to feel that raw. To feel that much of your skin is part of who you are, but it really isn't, you know. Um, Some of the other pieces, did you want that thing in there? No, we don't. Do we want more raw voices? Yes, we do. The thing I like about it is there is a sincere rawness to the album because people literally did come together and say, I want to be a part of this. How can I add to what you're creating? This feels so in the moment. This feels like it's so timely. It's so now. I love hearing some of those moments on the album where you can hear George's sincerity when he's singing Pass Me Not because it's not meant to be a brilliant singer. It's meant to be a person who changed the lyrics in the context of how he feels about when he leaves this mortal coil of what he wants to say. And it's beautiful and it's rough and it's raw and it's what it is. So,
0: One of the great uh, attractions of this project for me uh, was simply to be able to uh, uh, bring together these diverse talents uh, to represent, again, the wholeness of our cultural experience and the wholeness of our, of our history and to generate pieces. The other thing, this goes along with the idea of the rawness and the authenticity and so on. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I was really big on was originality, that everything had to be an original uh, contribution original songs, but based on, on our experiences, based on our history, based on our culture. And it was also, uh, we also decided as a group to be open to everybody, open to everybody uh, who might want to contribute in some way. So when we were uh, in Halifax recording, we had uh, a, a woman take part, uh, Sherry Clark is her, is her name, who's an expert on this on the Swedish nickel harpa. So she brings in the Swedish nickel harper. And and then we had uh, uh, folks sitting in, uh, Gilbert Day playing drums. Like everybody, you know, one of the great things about this project, and this goes along with what Shelley was saying about joy and and openness and not making, you know, some kind of like hard political uh, uh, statement or assertion or anything is that we're just saying, hey, you know what? As Shelly sh- shouts out in one of the songs, we're all here. We're all here, everybody. And that's all we're saying is that we're here. And, and we welcome everybody. Uh, our nation is is, is, a, is a big heart. Uh, and that's our constitution. and And uh, uh, as we as we record it in Halifax and then work with Ken Whiteley here in, in Toronto, <coughs> um, uh, we just had great acceptance uh, from from people and, and also a lot of recognition from around the country. with people writing to, we have a, a website, afromate.ca. And people sent in information for us. When people heard about the recording in Halifax, um, we were uh, sent this photograph that we have on the cover, uh, which is from the 1890s, on the cover of the CD, from the 1890s. And it's a picture of, of uh, uh, Mi'kmaq people, Mi'kmaq people, uh, in the front of a, of a wigwam uh, somewhere uh, around Elmsdale, Nova Scotia. And one of the best things about this photograph, which is from Land and Resources Canada, Land and Resources Canada uh sent us this photograph. A guy who works for them from their archives is that they are black people and apparently mixed Metis, black Metis people right there, right in the photograph. And so when we saw that, and there are other Metis people contacted us to say, oh, this is wonderful, this is terrific that you're doing this. So we've just been on it, it's just been a positive vibe. Uh the only negative is that nobody in terms of funders, cultural institutions, nobody wanted to give us a penny. So that's okay. We went ahead and did it ourselves anyway.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: what's What can you tell us about the name? Why did you pick the name Constitution? Well, uh, when this project began to come together, I had just become a National Poet Laureate. Mm. And as part of my project, I s- paid a lot of attention to the Constitution, to the BNA Act, and uh, and of course, of charter rights and freedoms and wrote about it and talked about it and so on. So I was really thinking a lot about a constitution, uh, the constitution, the constitution of Canada and all the problems with it. And at the same time, I was thinking, hey, you know, we're also a kind of nation, the Afro-Métis nation. If you're going to be a nation, you got to have a constitution. Mm. so you say you want to have a constitution (laughs) uh so there it is right um and and um and i'm hopeful that we'll do another another uh, cd and and my personal choice for a title and i hope that everyone else in the group will agree is anthem Mm. so we go from constitution to anthem and if we do Mm. a third cd i'll let somebody else come up with the title
4: (laughs) Speaking of anthem, we do have the song O oh Canada, but a revised O oh Canada on this album. And if you listen to it, I think you'll enjoy George's lyrics much better. Because if we had, could redo O oh Canada's lyrics, we would use George's lyrics. I'm just saying. All
1: right. Soli. <laughs> and. W- now, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the diversity of the tracks uh, as well, in, in terms of how you guys came together and pulled this all together. Not only from the diversity of your own personal talents that you bring together and your histories that way, but just as you mentioned, Oh Canada. Uh, you know, the, the the one I was I was drawn to that I really liked was B- Bannock and Beans. As oh well, yeah, so that's <laughs> a fun song. Uh, Sugarplum Croxton. Yeah, yeah. In the house. Yep. Uh, now, uh, Shelley. Uh, murdered and Missing Women. You, you, you d- deliberately mentioned that song. And, uh, and of course, that is a very, very serious issue in Canada as well.
4: Yeah, absolutely. When we did this piece, uh, George's words were just so poignant. And this was one of the most raw pieces that we did in the studio. When George started to speak... I knew all it needed was to just pe- for people to hear the hauntingness of the words and to understand that there has been a genocide in Canada that has not been acknowledged, and for us, mm-hmm. as a unit and as a group, to be able to do a piece this powerful for the acknowledgement of it. When we first did that piece, there wasn't a pin that could have dropped in that room. It was it was breathtaking. And then I remember hearing one woman's breath go. <gasps> It needed yeah. to hit people. And I think when people hear the significance and the words and the power of this song, they will understand that there is acknowledgement in this album also for those that did not have a voice, for those who have not been recognized.
0: Uh, it's just, it's just uh, such uh, an incredibly important uh, and, and globally vital uh, uh, tragedy to underline and to speak to as strongly and as powerfully as possible. And, and so for me, that was one of the pieces that I had to do that we had to do that had to be here. And when we perform these pieces live, it's, it's just been great. It's just been absolutely wonderful because we have the lighter pieces. We have the informative pieces and and then we we have the thoughtful uh, and and uh, uh, and stormy pieces and bluesy pieces and, and so on. I, I was uh, in Charlottetown recently and had the a uh, uh, great uh, occasion to be able to play a couple tracks, including. Uh, a one plus one is two, which has Shelley and Plums together mm-hmm. on that ballot, and people got up and started dancing.
4: Aww. Oh yeah!
0: <laughs> so we got you. We even got stuff you can dance to on this on this record, and but of course we also have those those pieces that are meant uh, to make you s- sit down and think, and maybe even maybe even get a little bit tearful.
4: Yeah, it's a It's a meaty album. There's eighteen tracks on it, so there's a lot of stories to be told here
1: and and it gets into the history like you said you know you've got the, the 1871 census that uh, a couple of those in here um but uh there's other ones that are lighter as well um and it's uh i wish you all the best with this it's, uh, you know congratulations on pulling this all together Thank you. David, (laughs) wow. Thank you so much. Thank you, Element FM.
4: Yes, thank you so much for having us here and allowing us to speak. And we hope that you can come and listen to the album. It's downloadable everywhere and anywhere. You can listen to it, you can stream it, you can Spotify it, or Deezer it, or YouTube music it, or whatever you'd like to do. Just look for the Afro Métis Nation Constitution. Afro Métis Nation in the house.
1: Boy, you guys make my job really <laughs> I
4: know, I know. We're just so happy it's, to be here.
1: Yeah. Now, listen, um, uh, 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 website. AfroMatee.ca right. AfroMatee.ca So you can go there and uh, I know I saw it on Bandcamp uh, yes. there as well. So make sure you check it out if you're listening and make sure to to reach out to them as well. I'm sure they would like to hear comments back from you if you have anything to say uh, uh, with the, with
0: this new album that they have out. David, thank you so much. It's a dream stream. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes, it definitely is. From thank the you dream so much. team. I love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got to have you guys back,
1: in. maybe you can do some writing for us. Absolutely. <laughs> We're in. We're in. We're ready. Right on. <laughs> Listen, again, uh, miigwech and uh, Wanishi and, and yawa for coming on the show and, uh, and sharing with us. And again, congratulations to you and the other members and all the best in the future. I certainly, uh, you know, stay in touch with us. Keep us informed on what's going on. Uh, so we can share and let people know. Yes, we'll keep you updated for sure. Thank you. All right. You're listening to Element FM. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.